Hey everybody, my name's Chad. I'm on staff with Harbor City Church. And today our church steps into a season of transition. Over the next couple months, several months, our search committee is going to be doing the work of recruiting a new pastor. And in the meantime, we are going to have an interim pastor. And the job of an interim pastor is to keep our church on course while the search committee does their job. And if you're like me, you love, you love Harbor. And the last thing that you want to see happen is some crazy new guy come in and mess everything up. All right. And so I get the distinct honor and privilege today of introducing you to the guy who is not going to mess it all up. His name is Doug Swaggerty. He is going to be our interim pastor. And really, there is nobody that I would pick above Doug to lead us through this season. For those of you who don't know, it was actually Doug and Lois, his wife, who helped plant Harbor Church back in 1998. Doug was the executive pastor for 10 years. Uh, those of us who have been around for a while remember Doug from back in the day. It was actually Doug who hired me back in 2004. So if you love Harbor today, you need to know that it was Doug who helped shape our vision to be a church in the city and for the city, a church that values the gospel and also values loving and serving our city. It was Doug who helped set the course that we still follow today. He's got over four decades of pastoral and ministry experience. He has helped launch several churches. He has helped several churches uh, through transitions just like the one that we're going through. So this ain't his first rodeo. Uh, we are in very good hands. And I just want to share a personal uh, story about Doug. Uh, when I started back in 2004 as a young worship leader, um, Harbor was a church planting machine. And at one time we had 10 sites uh, scattered around the county of San Diego. So that's 10 different congregations, 10 different locations, but all one church organization. And it was Doug's job to keep it all coordinated. And so at any one time, he had 10 different pastors, 10 different leadership teams, a bunch of elders and staff members all coming to him uh, for guidance and for support. And it was a bit of chaos. And uh, as a young guy, I was just, uh, I was a little overwhelmed. Um, but Doug was always the peaceful eye at the center of the hurricane. Um, he was always kind. He was always uh, capable. He was always calm. And he always made time uh, to meet with me, to check in on how a young worship leader was doing at his first church job. He and Lois would take Melanie and I out for dinner, talk about how they have seen the green flash when the sun goes down over the, the ocean. And then even uh, when he left Harbor, uh, he would take me out to breakfast, and he would uh, talk to me about ministry, about life and family, and just pour into me. So Doug is the real deal, and I personally am super excited to be working with him once again. So y'all, Harbor City Church needs an interim pastor who's going to help us uh, stay on course, who's going to help us keep our eyes on Jesus and keep our hands on the work that he's called us to do. And the fact that Jesus has given us Doug and Lois for this next season it just fills me with confidence for what's next. And so Harbor City Church, may I introduce to you Pastor Doug Swaggerty. It's great to be here uh, with all of you today with you online. I, I'm going to have to get used to this addressing you online while I'm looking at everyone else as well. But uh, Chad, you almost had me crying there. I'm sorry. Uh, 
about that. Uh, earlier this month, I was getting introduced to, or not this month, but last month, getting introduced to some of the other people in the church. And one of the, uh, one of the individuals who I'd never met before uh, was trying to pay me a compliment. And uh, she said, your reputation exceeds you. What she meant to say was that it precedes you, but she said it exceeds you. And I, I said, you better believe that, you know. I'll, I'll definitely make that, uh, <clears throat> make that true over the course of time here. But it's great to be here with you and to be able to, to share God's word with you this morning and, and to uh, enter into this chapter with all of you. I know it's, it's a very uh, unsettling time in, in many ways, but it's great that uh, there's so many familiar faces here. And, and even this morning as Lois and I drove down and we hit, <clears throat> we hit going around Rosecrans and we saw the the skylight, uh, the skyline of San Diego. I just said deja vu, and uh, and Lois said all over again. You know, so it's great to be uh, here for this chapter to see what God's going to do uh, in and through us as we as we continue to worship Him. Um, some of you that I don't know may be here this morning, or you may be looking in and asking the question, what kind of preacher is this guy going to be? What, what are we getting uh, for this period, period of time? And if that's your question this morning, I'm sorry to say you're not going to find out this morning. Uh, if you want to know what kind of preacher I'm going to be, you know, tune in next week or maybe the week after. This morning, is I, I want to share not so much a sermon with you all. I want to have a conversation with you. It's going to be a one-way conversation. I'm not going to engage in that way. But what I want to do is share a little bit about what has brought us to this point and uh, some of our journey since we last were with you at Harbor and, and uh, where, where that leaves us now is we have the opportunity to step back into this situation. When we left Harbor in uh, 2008, we uh, went up the road to Encinitas where I was a senior pastor of a church for five years. It was there that a couple of years into that time, I hired this guy to be our youth director up there named Mike Forrest. And uh, you all know Mike and Casey, and uh, we just had a great time. Mike and I had a great time ministering together in those three years up in Encinitas before he came back down here uh, to be with, with you all. From Encinitas, we actually did this counterintuitive thing. We left Southern California for New Mexico. And, and it's a long story that I can't go into today, uh, but we spent two and a half years in New Mexico, Santa Fe, where we just had a wonderful time of, of ministry and made a lot of great friends and left in the summer of, of 2015 to come back here uh, to California. We kept our house. Uh, our daughter was living in it. We knew we were coming back. We weren't all through uh, with California by any means. We uh, had that in our blood. And so we came back in the middle of 2015. What happened, though, in that situation is the week after we left to come back home, the senior pastor that I'd been working with announced to the congregation that he was going to resign in three weeks. And I, I kind of knew that that was going to happen. I told him, he, he told me the, a few days before uh, we left. And, and I said, well, if, if uh, the leaders need anything, just tell them to give me a call. I knew what that meant. I knew they were going to call and ask if, if we could help them out in the interim period. Uh, that's what I had done for a little bit up in, up in the church in Encinitas before becoming the lead pastor there. Um, when they called and asked, I said, we'd be glad to do that. We'd be honored to do that, but we're not moving back to Santa Fe. 
we're going to do it uh, from California. This is pre, you know, this is 2016. That's not talking Zoom or anything like that. We would fly back and forth. We'd spend 10 days in New Mexico and 10 days in California, 10 days in New Mexico and 10 here. We went back and forth over the course of 10 months. I think we made 18 trips back and forth to Santa Fe to do that interim work there. And it was wrapped up with uh, a pastor that they, they called who was uh, actually a fellow that I'd worked with up in Encinitas. And so God had a wonderful way of bringing all that uh, together. But in that time in, in Santa Fe, those 10 months, my main uh, responsibility or the main thing I wanted to achieve was to work with that search team to help them find the next person and to, for the church to, to move on at that point. When we came back to California, it was to enter into a new <clears throat> chapter of ministry for us, which is a, is a coaching and mentoring chapter actually for us. And uh, over the last five years, the course of the last five years, Lois has done this with me. We, we have worked with uh, around 40 pastors and their wives, um, many of them church planters, many of them uh, just young pastors in their first call, helping them through uh, the pastoral, getting their pastoral chops and just helping them become more and more acclimated to, to ministry. It's been a really great opportunity for us to pass forward uh, so much of what we have learned over the years. I, I tell my the guys I work with, I've, I've got a lot that I can teach you because the way you learn stuff is by making mistakes. And when you're in ministry, as long as I've been, you've pretty much made all the mistakes along the way. And when they ask me, well, how do you do this? I say, well, I tried it three different ways and these two failed, but this one worked and you can see what'll, ha what'll work for you. That's kind of the way I, I work things as I coach with, with these younger fellows. Um, <clears throat> That ministry of coaching uh, for us represented what we called a downshift as we, as we neared the time when we wanted to just retire and move into those years. We thought this would be great uh, to downshift. And uh, as of last year, I was, I was making somewhere around 40 hours of calls a month uh, for the coaching. And I said, that's too much. I want to downshift. And uh, in December, I communicated with all my guys and said it's going to be a little bit different starting in 2021. And what I offered them cut my hours down to about 20 or 22 hours a month that I was, I was doing uh, coaching. And I can remember at the beginning of January talking to Lois and saying, boy, this really feels great. You know, we, uh, in, in terms of uh, where we invest our time, we've got three grown children in their mid to late 30s and uh, four grandsons, uh, two local and two in Oregon, and a third one in Oregon on the way in, in about three weeks. Uh, so we'll have five grandsons here pretty soon. We just love being grandparents. And it was just a time where we were going to have more opportunity to invest in, in our grandkids. And I said, uh, it's really great to be in this situation where we can have all this, all this extra time. I had actually been approached last fall by another church that had asked me if I would help them with um, or was interested in helping them with an interim position. And I made it very clear to them, I'm not going to do anything full-time. It's going to be part-time, and if that's what you want. If I can help, uh, let me know. And they wanted someone full-time. And in January, I said to Lois, boy, I'm so glad we didn't take that. The last thing I want to do right now is be in ministry and, and be leading a church. It's the last thing I want to be doing. And I've been telling my guys over the last year, I, it's so great to be where I am and not where you are, <laughs> heading up a church, <laughs> frankly. And the reason why, of course, is just everything we've been through over the last year. 
as, as Ben mentioned, we're coming up on the one-year anniversary. On Thursday, it will be one year since the World Health Organization declared coronavirus to be a global pandemic, March 11th, 2020. And during that year, it's not just been the health crisis that we've faced, but it's been one crisis after another that we have faced. Uh, we have faced issues of racism. We have faced issues of, of gender. We have faced issues of education. How are we going to educate our kids in this kind of environment? We've had uh, just a horrific political season that we've had to navigate in 2020 and, uh, and still in many ways are navigating it now. And those things have just made ministry extremely difficult during that year. So that's the reason why I was saying that to my guys and to Lois, it's great not to be leading a church right now and just be kind of sitting in a pew and giving advice. It's a great place to be. But God had obviously something different in mind when John Jackson called me toward the, uh, you know, several weeks ago and, and said, uh, what are you up to? What are you doing? And I'm like, well, we, we just had this great plan in place. We're downshifting and we're going to have all kinds of time. And he goes, oh, really? You know, so let me tell you something. And he began to explain what was going on here at, at Harbor City. Um, you know, everywhere that we've looked in, in recent days, what we see more often than not is alienation and polarization, isn't it? It's just very difficult. It's a very difficult time to just be alive, be in our culture, be in our society, and, and be a leader in that society. You folks here at Harbor, at Harbor City, um, if, if I can kind of project what you were probably going through over the last year, you, you felt all those same pressures that I've just mentioned. But at least a couple of months ago, at least one month ago, you could say, but my church is fine. <laughs> my church is fine. I've got, I've got a church that is going to be a steady rock through all this. And then three weeks ago, it's announced that by Stephen that he's going to resign and, and move on. And for many of you, it's not just losing a pastor. For many of you, you've lost a friend. Some of you have lost a very close friend. Some of you have lost a confidant uh, in that transaction. Uh, one, one individual just used this word in describing how he felt. He said, I'm just raw right now. I'm raw over uh, trying to get my mind around what's going on and what, uh, what's next for us here at Harbor City. And it's into that, uh, that context that we, we stepped this morning. Uh, it reminded me of, uh, all these things kind of remind me of a, a quote that Woody Allen made about 40 years ago, I think it was in the 1980s or something like that. And he said this at that time, he said, more than any other time in history, mankind faces a crossroads. One path leads to despair and utter hopelessness. The other to total extinction. He says, let us pray we have the wisdom to choose correctly. <laughs> we sometimes feel like there's just no good choices out there. There's nothing that that we can really grab onto and, and hold onto. But God's word today is going to uh, show us that uh, we can still have confidence and move forward. And that's more than anything else what I want to try to communicate uh, to you this morning. We may talk a little bit about some of your anxieties and some of the challenges that you face, but more than anything else, I want you to, be, I want you to receive this this morning with, with confidence. Um, 
the thoughts that I had in my mind to share with you today uh, centered around these sorts of things. And often when you preach, you're handed a text of scripture and you got to find a sermon in that text. Other times you already have your sermon, you got to find a text. Uh, and that was what this morning has been like for me. I, I knew what I wanted to say. I just had to find a text that would say it. And what I'm going to look at this morning just briefly is in Philippians chapter one, verses four through six, where uh, Paul is writing the beginning of this letter to the, the church at Philippi. And he says, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. May God bless his word uh, to us this morning. When Paul wrote this letter to the Philippians, uh, he was writing himself from prison. It's one of his prison epistles. And the striking thing about Philippians, if you know the book, is that the, the overall theme of the book of Philippians is joy. And we wonder, how can a man in prison, and in the kind of prisons that they had back then, write a letter that just exudes joy? But that's what he does. And he even talks about the joy that he has as he thinks about the Philippians. And one of the things he's trying to, to underscore to them is the first point that I want you to see this morning is we have a history. Paul's telling the Philippians, we have a history and that makes me happy. That gives me joy. And, and the way that he says it, it's so striking. You know, he says, he says uh, every time I pray for you, I every time I, I remember you, I thank my God. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Those are a lot of superlatives, aren't they? He's saying everything I do, I think about when, with you folks, I think about all that you've meant to me and all that you've done uh, for me and our partnership uh, together. He says, we have a history. What, what was that history of, with Paul, between Paul and the people of, of Philippi? Those of you uh, kids who've been going through the Gospel Project program with uh, Christine have, have seen uh, just a few weeks ago, you had this story uh, in your lesson. It was a story of, of uh, Paul and Silas going into Philippi. And there they met this lady down by the river named Lydia, who was from Thyatira. And she was a, had garments, the garments of purple and so forth. And she became a convert. She was a God-fearing person, but she became a convert. She embraced the gospel. Uh, and Paul began to share the gospel with other people in the city of Philippi. And as he and Silas were doing that, they had this, uh, this annoying person that would follow them everywhere they would go. Uh, the, in Acts 16, it actually says Paul was annoyed by this. He was annoyed by this. And it was a lady, a young lady, apparently, who had a gift of divination, it says. So she could, she could tell the future in some way. And she had some handlers that would take her around and, and, uh, and for profit, they would have her tell futures. And she was sort of stalking Paul and Silas and he, he put up with it for a while and finally he turned to her one day and, and, and he told the spirit of divination that was in her, he says, be gone. And that spirit left her. And this woman who was of such value to her handlers up to that point uh, was the cash cow that no longer could produce. And the handlers were upset and they dragged Paul before the magistrates. They, they uh, brought up some false charges against Paul. 
eventually had Paul and Silas thrown into prison. And it says that that night around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and, and singing, and there was this great earthquake. And uh, they were in stocks, as were all the other prisoners. And it says the doors shook open, the stocks opened up, all the prisoners could run. The guard comes in and realizes what's going on, pulls his sword, and he's about to take his life because he realized he's going to have to answer for this jailbreak, that he wasn't more careful or whatever it might have been. And Paul says, no, 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 don't do it. We're still all here. We're all here. And they were. They left. They, they stayed right there in the prison. And the jailer was just amazed. And his words to Paul and Silas were, what must I do to be saved? And they said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you'll be saved in your house. Have faith in what Jesus has done for you, not what you can do on your own. And that man that night embraced that. He took them into their house, into his house. Uh, Paul baptized him and his family. He became one of the first uh, converts of the church of, of Philippi, along with Lydia. The next day, Paul and Silas were released. There was a little bit of drama attached to their being released. But in the end, they went back to, to Lydia's house. They bid goodbye to her and the rest of the leaders there in Philippi, and they went on their way. Now, Paul says in Philippians, in the book that he writes to them later on, I thank God every time I remember you and all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. You would think that there had been some massive revival there, and that's why he remembered it with joy. But this very simple thing of these few converts that as a result of that work of the gospel, they became a church, and that church grew. And eventually that church became a very significant church in Paul's mind. A couple of weeks ago, we, were, uh, we had over for dinner a young pastor and his wife who uh, pastored the church where my son and his family attend up in, up in Vista. We had a wonderful time of, of uh, eating and, and sharing our lives with each other. And he was asking me several questions about all the, all the things I'd done in ministry. And he asked me a question then that I had never been asked up to that point. He says, what was your favorite church? <laughs> what was your favorite church? You know, it's kind of like asking, who's your favorite kid? You know, uh, how, do you, how do you say that? How do you choose that? And, and I knew what he meant. I knew uh, he was really asking me, where, where were you most fulfilled? Where were you most engaged? What, what church brought you the greatest joy and satisfaction? And as I thought over the four or five, I don't know how many different churches directly I've been involved with and others indirectly, I said, well, it would have to be this church called Harbor downtown, where I was for 10 years and where I had the opportunity to see this and that happen and worked with, with a great friend of mine that, that uh, we'd known for years. And I just went and shared that story of 10 years here at Harbor. We have a history, friends. And that's what I want you to understand this morning as I step back into this. That history goes really much further back than 1999. It really goes back to the late 70s when Lois and I first met Dick and Liz in, in Philadelphia as we attended a church pastored by a man named Jack Miller. We were in seminary together. Uh, the other couple here this morning that was in seminary back then were Mark and Sandy Malapard, and they were a part of that church too. Mark was this, uh, uh, this quintessential California dude in, uh, in, in, in Pennsylvania and Philadelphia in the late 70s. He had a full beard, a head full of blonde hair, 
totally tan and just looked the part. And uh, we gravitated to Mark. Mark and Sandy had a couple of their kids at that point. Well, just a few years after that, we all found ourselves out in Southern California. Mark and Sandy uh, took a call at a church down in Chula Vista. And uh, Dick and I were helping to plant or replant a church up in Escondido. Uh, after four years, I planted a church out in, out in Oceanside that I pastored for about 14 years. But the 10 years from 84 to 94, Dick and I had a standing lunch meeting every week. That was the biggest priority of our week. And sometimes we had to call it off, but most weeks we met and we encouraged each other. We, we shared issues. We, um, we relied upon each other. And at the end of that time in 1994, Dick went to work uh, with Tim Keller in Manhattan for five years. And, and I finished up my work in Oceanside. And, and in 1998, Dick called and said, I'm thinking about coming back and starting this church down in San Diego. And, uh, and we were uh, taking a year off of ministry at the time. And my response back to Dick was, well, how would you like to partner up again? And he said, sure, we'd love to do that. And, and that started that 10-year that run for us here uh, where, where I was involved at Harbor. And Dick was involved longer than that. One of my first jobs, as, I, uh, as we talked about divvying up responsibilities, was to get office space. And... Uh, <clears throat> Dick was still back in New York. They wanted us to have an office so that when they moved out in the summer of 99, he could move all of his, you know, books and stuff straight into an office. So sometime that spring, I started acclimating myself to downtown. I didn't really know a lot about downtown. I heard about this thing called the gaslight in downtown, and I, I had some idea of what downtown was about. But I started reading and realized it's not gaslight, it's gas lamp. And I, I realized, okay, that's between 4th and 6th and Broadway and, and Harbor. And I looked at different ads for offices. And I found this office on 5th and Broadway that, that was executive suites that was going to work really well. I went down, I, I interviewed with the, uh, the property manager, signed a lease, uh, and went home thinking, boy, check that one off. We're off and, off and running here. That night, I was sharing with Lois, uh, you know, just how wonderful this at all worked together. We were watching a late TV show at 10 o'clock and, and the teaser for the news came on. And what the teaser was, was shooting in the gas lamp, news at 11. And I said, well, Liz, that sounds interesting. You know, I'll have to stay around and, and watch that. Um, when the news came on at 11, I kind of looked at, the, looked at the, the place where the cameras were and I said, that looks familiar. And as soon as I said that, the, the announcer said, I'm so-and-so and I'm on the corner of Fifth and Broadway in the gas lamp where earlier this evening, a man was shot waiting for the bus at the bus stop. And my eyes went this big because I had to call Dick the next day and give him a report. So the next day I'm on the phone with Dick and I'm saying, Dick, I got some good news and some not so good news. <laughs> and, uh, and as we talked about it and shared just what had happened and, and uh, that particular place, you know, we said, this is where we want to be. We want to be at the intersection where, where stuff like that happens because that's where the gospel needs to be. And, and so we stayed there. And we were there for the next, I don't know, 12, 15 years, I think, before we finally left that office on 5th and, and Broadway. It was a wonderful place to set up shop and, and to minister for all those years. We we met, first of all, uh, in Dick and Liz's apartment in City Front Terrace. 
we moved eventually to the Clarion Hotel at the time, which is now the Marriott overlooking Petco. And we would, uh, we would drive our minivan up where we had stored all of the sound equipment and musical instruments in our, in our kitchen, our dining room uh, during the week. We'd pack it up on Sunday morning, drive down and unload it and go upstairs and have our worship service at the Clarion Hotel. After we'd get set up, we'd go out on the balcony and watch as they were making plans and clearing land for Petco Park. That's how far back that was. We had a bird's eye view of that. After a while, we ended up at the theater on, on 5th and G. And then we started expanding to other locations over the next several years until the point, like Chad said, we had 10, 10 different places we were worshiping by the time that we were through. During that time, uh, there were uh, just great leaders that came, came alongside. Mark and Sandy jumped on board right away. Uh, Mel and Ruth Ely were on board right away. We got to know them very, very, very quickly. And, and other leaders came along too. We finally, when we finally went to uh, go from our mission status to being a particular church where we had our own leadership, our first group of elders uh, were John Jackson and, and Mel Ely and um, one other that I'm spacing on right now. Uh, pardon me for spacing on that. But we had three leaders at that time. A few years later, Paul Rodriguez and, and Bill McCurran joined in that leadership team. And so we just had a wonderful opportunity um, to interact with people that are now still a part of Harbor. So we have a history with you folks. We're not coming in here uh, trying to figure things out. Uh, we, we know you folks, and we're very thankful to be a part of what's going on here right now. Um, because, of our, because of our history, really, it was a very natural thing for the elders to reach out a few, several weeks ago and ask, what am I up to? And it was a very natural thing for us to say, sure, it'd be an honor and a privilege to come here. You know, the second thing that Paul mentions to the, to the people in Philippi is that we not only have a history, we have a partnership, he says. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. The partnership in the gospel, that's what they had. When Paul was in Philippi, he didn't have a lot of time there, but he left the church in good hands. I'd like to think, I don't know this to be the case, I would like to think that the Philippian jailer was one of the first elders in the church at, at Philippi. Wouldn't that be a cool way to, for that story to progress? Uh, that, that, that conversion would lead to leadership. Lydia was certainly a leader in the church of, of Philippi, and they shared uh, their ministry goals. They shared values. And over the last several weeks, as I've looked at on the website and, and talked, about, uh, talked with others about the values of Harbor, it's just felt, of Harbor City, it's just felt very comfortable. It's like finding a pair of, of slippers that you thought you lost and putting them on, and they just feel so good because the words are a little bit different than what they were 20 years ago, but the heart is the same. And Stephen had done such a great job of just refreshing those words in ways that were important to be refreshed and, and to be said a little bit differently along the way. Stephen did a great job of, of bringing that along to the point where those values are still guiding uh, the church here. The gospel changes everything, that we're a group of people that are called to live in community, that we're called to live on mission, that we're, that we're city positive here at Harbor. 
and that and that one of our goals is to raise leaders for the city. All those things were things that were in the DNA way back 20 years ago, and it's so refreshing to see that still be a part of your DNA. Now it feels very, very, very comfortable. But also, not just shared values, but shared passions as well is what I've experienced over these last weeks. I wish that uh, some of you could have been on one of the Zoom calls I had with uh, the elders early on where they shared uh, with me what they meant to each other and what this church means to them. And it was, it was uh, you know, it was a sales pitch in one sense. I understood that, but it was far more than that. These were grown men that couldn't get the words out through the tears because of how much they meant to each other and how much you as a church meant to them. And it was just such a natural thing for me to, to see that, that passion and want to be again, uh, just a part of it for this chapter, whatever, however long that would be for the Lord uh, to raise up the next pastor here. Uh, as I've come uh, to know the staff over the last uh, several weeks, I've been meeting with the staff here for the last three or four weeks. They've, they've welcomed me with open arms and it's been great to, to see how they operate with, alongside each other how well they interact with each other, what uh, great individual starters they are. Uh, I've told them you guys are just going to have to continue to expand in your ministry because I'm only doing this part-time. I'm still coaching all my guys. And, and maybe I'll give you 20 hours here, but I'm not going to be the guy that's going to hold your hand or anything like that. Not that they ever needed that, but I'm not going to be that kind of a leader for the staff. And I've just seen them just continue to move forward with all their initiatives and, and, um, and, and do some wonderful things. Um, you might ask the question, uh, what happens during an interim pastor time? Uh, what can we expect uh, from the church? What changes are going to be there? And I brought this card with me this morning that uh, on the one side, it's, it's a very small card. Uh, on the one side, it says new initiatives and there's nothing here. There's nothing here. That's not, that's not my intention, that's not my job to start a lot of new initiatives. Harbor City is a church that has just a track record of impact in the city, of impact in your own lives, in your communities, and I just wanna see that go, keep on going. Uh, no new initiatives, no big changes. I can't see any changes that I would want to make in the situation here. On the other side, I have this thing I wrote, note to self, don't mess this up. You know, <laughs> that's, my, that's my job here, however long that would be. Don't mess this up. No new initiatives, don't mess this up. Now, you know, friends, what I'm, what I'm really saying there is that uh, God has blessed this church. God has blessed the impact of this church far more than what uh, we would normally think a church in the city would have our reach as far. And I want to just continue that. I want to, I want to bless that. I want to facilitate that in every way that I can. It's nothing new. Nothing, nothing big is going to change here while I'm here. It's, we're just going to keep doing what we're doing and understanding that this is how God's going to continue to bless us as we move forward. Um, We have this partnership of shared values and shared, shared passions. And so 
Um, I, I really do hope that during this time that we're here and that we have the opportunity to um, be with you, that um, the church will continue to grow, that we'll double down on, on values that you already have in place. And it's not a time for anything really new. It's a time just to go deeper into what God has already given us here as a church. That's my prayer. Um, that's my prayer and my hope that our time together as, as, as an interim pastor uh, will be a time where I can learn from you and share with you what God has taught me and that we can be a blessing to one another during that time. We have a partnership uh, and that's important uh, for us. But also uh, what Paul says in this verse is that we have a future. He says, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He who has begun a good work in you, that's a, that's a you, you plural, it's a y'all that he's saying there. Uh, he's saying, God started this work in you all and I wanna see it continue. I want to see, not because of confidence in ourselves, but because, because God has started this work and God's going to continue to work in this church and God's going to, God's going to be a finisher uh, here in this church. He's the great finisher. And my uh, biggest priority is, is really uh, to work out of a job here. That's, that's my biggest priority. That's what I want to do. Uh, I want to help you bridge, be the bridge for you from the wonderful ministry that Stephen has had over these years, 13 years or so with you folks. I want to be abridged to the next person that will come along and minister uh, the next season uh, for Harbor, Harbor downtown. We pray that God will, will allow us to do that uh, together. The confidence that we have is not in ourselves, but it's in God. Uh, we, we can be great starters, but God's the finisher in all this. And so as we, uh, as we think about the future and where, where we're headed, um, we're, we're very motivated by what God is about to do here at, at Harbor. We want to see God's hand in what we do. And I'm, I'm, looking, forward, I'm looking forward to that. This week, um, I will be having a meeting with the team that is being pulled together uh, to, to search for a new pastor here at Harbor. And I'm, I'm just really looking forward to that um, because these are, these are people, and some of you are here this morning, people who are going to give a lot of time to finding the next person that can lead this church and lead the church effectively. Uh, we need a pastor. We need a church in, in times like this um, because God is telling us that uh, it's, it's going to be difficult. There's going to be things that we have to pick up uh, on, on our own and, and move forward during this time that maybe Stephen has done in the past. I'm not going to be able to give uh, as much time as what Stephen gave uh, to the church here. It's not full time for me, but it's, I'm going to give you what I have and share with you out of, out of God's riches and see that what God will do during this time as we look for the next person that God would call into this ministry. Um, we have a future here. Uh, we have a future here because 
um, God is saying to us that, that um, he is for us and he will be with us through the end of this. And we're thankful for that. And I, I want to be uh, the one that will uh, be just that bridge for you all during this time. I'm not, I'm not, the, I'm not the guy, Lois and I are not looking for a job at this point in our lives. Uh, we're, we're looking for the opportunity to serve you, even as this church over the years has served us. So we have uh, this history, we have a, have a partnership, and we have a future uh, that's, that's ahead of us. In uh, Psalm 73, there's um, a beautiful passage where uh, the writer is talking about what God has done in our, in our lives. And he's talking about uh, tragedies that come our way, and things that uh, keep us from becoming all that we want to be. And in that psalm, uh, Psalm 73, there's a, there's a portion in there where the psalmist is writing about uh, all the change that's going on and that it's, it is uh, confused, it's confusing to him. But he says in the middle of that, the middle of that chapter, uh, he says that God is still a rock in the midst of all that. And God will lead us through. And God will make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way right now. And God's going to supply all that we need uh, according to the riches of his glory in, in Christ Jesus. And that's my goal. That's my, my hope to be used uh, by God in that role here at Harvard, at Harvard, nothing more than that, to be able to share in God's goodness to us and to point, point you to the provision that God will make, that uh, the team that works together on this, I'm just so excited about being able to meet with them this week and, and get going on that, that work and, and to be able to uh, look ahead for where God will be taking this church. This church is very, very dear to both Lois and to me uh, in our past and what we've, um, what we've uh, been able to do over these years. So we're looking forward to reengaging and, and to being with you and to, and to be of whatever help we can be during this time uh, to you. But uh, at the same time, we realize that it's going to require all of us to kind of step up a little bit. Uh, from where, where we are, uh, because we won't be here and given the same amount of time as what, as what Steve and Laney have done. Uh, we, we're going to be here uh, with, on Sunday mornings. We're going to be here meeting with staff. Uh, we're going to be doing virtual stuff with, with session as well, and, and we'll do all those things that we can. But we need boots on the ground. We need people that will uh, continue to meet together, to encourage one another, to see God's work continue here. At, at, um, here at Harbor. And so it's with that confidence, not in ourselves, but in God, that we look forward to what is going to happen. God cares uh, for you. God cares for Harbor more than you ever know, more than you can ever know. And God loves you, and he's going to make provision uh, for you in these days that are ahead. Last night, as I was putting together uh, some thoughts, I got... <clears throat> I got a text. From Stephen. He said, hi, Doug, I've been praying for Harbor and for you. May God bless you richly tomorrow. 
8 o'clock last night. Uh, Stephen's still praying for you guys. Stephen wants what's, what's best for you guys. I know this heartbreaking thing to have a pastor move on. It's been hard for Stephen and for Laney and for their family. But I wrote back to Stephen last night. And I said, Stephen, uh, thanks. You did a great job last week, and I appreciate how you set the table for me. Tomorrow, which is today, I just want people to leave thinking we're going to be all right. God's going to lead us through this chapter. We're going to be all right. God is going to lead us through this chapter. And I would um, I'd just say to Stephen, Stephen, you've got to be watching right now. I know you're watching. You can't let go this quickly. I know that. You've got to be watching, you and Lainey. And I would say that same thing to you, Stephen. I want you to be encouraged. You've made a hard, difficult decision, I think, for all the right reasons. And I would say to you, you're going to be all right. You and your family, you're going to be all right. God's got this. God's going to lead you through this chapter and take you wherever it is he wants you to go. And then all y'all here, <laughs> all y'all here, and say the same thing. God's got this. God knows the beginning from the end. God knows what we need, and he's going to supply that. It's going to be all right. God's going to lead us through this chapter. That's my confidence. I'm confident of this very thing, that he's begun the good work in us. We'll complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning that we can come with that kind of confidence, knowing that you are well, God who stands behind your promises to us and that you love uh, to meet us in times of confusion, in times of difficulty, and give to us your grace in such a way that calms our hearts and keeps us steady and keeps us moving forward. May we experience that in, in droves this day and in the days that are ahead. We pray you'd be with Stephen and Laney and their children, their adult kids, I should say, and bless them for all that they've done here at Harbor, for the work that they've put in, for the labor that they've uh, they have expended. Lord, may their, your blessing be upon them for that. May you guide them into green pastures with still waters at this point in this chapter in their lives. And may you take our hands here at Harbor, Harbor City and continue to lead and guide in a way that will give us even more confidence in you and what you've done for us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.